Well, yes, I feel like a very in a mood waking up by God this morning. I feel very, very empowered today. I feel very uplifted, actually, and that's why I had um, named today today's theme about uplifting each other. Michael Myers, isn't it time we just start uplifting instead of tearing each other down? Good morning, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I ended up having a long... Oh, no. Wow. Oh, did we lose it? No, we're here. Yeah, you ended up having a long... Um... I got you. Say it one more time. Never forgot. Anyway, well, I was going to say, so are you uplifted this morning? Do you feel uplifted? Do you feel he uplifted you again out of bed? Or how are you feeling today? Well, yes. Yes, I think. And yes, I don't know how many <laughs> questions. You, uh, yes. Yeah. Far him out. Good. Me too. And you know what, Drew? Um, my, my church sends the booklet every week for prayers. And the first prayer of intercession was uplifted by the promised hope of healing and resurrection. We join the people of God in all times and places, improving for the church, the world, and those who are in need. And it's very interesting how that happened, Michael, because I had listened to, I don't know if you clicked the link, my radio station special for National Day of Prayer yesterday. No, I got to tell you, there's so much to listen to. I, 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 I'm sorry. It's okay. But here in New York, we gathered some of the best minds and preachers and and put them on the radio for national day of prayer and i literally felt it was so uplifting and i said someone that and then i read the words in my prayer book how how interesting is that the word uplifting it's cool it's exciting it Um, is and i think god was like you should do a show on being uplifted so i'm doing that today well and speaking of uplifting today uh our governor kim reynolds she she jumped a week ahead She's opening everything up, except uh, I think my wife still can't get her hair done and she still can't get a tattoo, but she wasn't going to get one anyway. But yeah, and there are people upset, of course, about what she's doing. And uh, it's going to happen. So, All right, Michael, what are your thoughts on this Dallas salon owner, by the way? I mean, these people are being run out and it's just horrible. (sighs) Bottom line is the government's overstepping. It's... It's it's given authority. It's taking authority. Well, and I can automatically see someone tell us, because I, I kind of wonder this too. I'm I'm kind of grappling with it. If we tell illegal, you know, immigrants to abide by the law, then what makes us so special to not abide by it? And I'm kind of like twisted in that theory. Whoa, yeah, that's a. Yeah, that's a great point. It's there's so much hypocrisy in, you know, double standards. And, you know, I got a an email this morning. Um, they're actually contacting. They're tracing people that have come into contact with people that have had that have tested positive. So I'm imagining I'm probably going to get contacted by somebody here. Some and you know what? Honcho person. I love that. I love that Mike Bloomberg has actually donated, I think, $10 million to this contact testing army. Because you know what? If they want to do the testing, fine. Get it done with. Make it more faster. We have 30000 I'm not going to get a test. You're going to refuse it, then, is what you're saying. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? You and I are very... We're, in, we're on opposite sides of the spectrum here, I think. But that's Be- okay. It's fine. Because if they say we have to, we have to make sure the testing is done... Right. Of course, we can't test everybody, but if right. there's enough that say, and I've said this from the beginning, let's just say the cases are down by at least 25% then uh-huh. open the freaking country up, but we won't okay. get to 25% if we don't test a lot of people. Okay. So let's say we test everybody and we find out 99.9% of people test positive for COVID. What, now, what are you going to do? Oh, no, you, I don't know the answer to that because then they're going to want to lock us down more. That's the problem. And, and you ain't locking me down. I mean, I'm not going to get out my Glock because I don't own one, but I got a Pelican. No, no, I'm not. I'm not encouraging violence, but I'm just going to live my life. I'm I just going to live my life. I agree with what you're saying. And on the other hand, I only think you should get tested if you have symptoms, not if you just feel like getting yourself tested. Well, but 
but if they're going to trace people and they're going to trace me because of my brother-in-law, are they going to require me to take the test? Michael, I've got a bigger question here. Are they doing this army to try and truly track us? Is this the way they're going to really now track everybody with their addresses, their social security, their all this other stuff? The key word is they. Who the heck is they anyway? Aren't we they? Why are they they? Why are they? Why are we? What? What's happened? They I mean, being, but yeah, my point. They being the government. Like I think. Oh, I get a, your point, but the government is who and why are they? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody sent me uh, uh, a video clip this morning that I'm going to use, and it's from a doctor in California, and he's addressing all these people, and it's gonna, it's pretty intense because people Daniel. are getting the. Dr. Daniel Erickson or someone else? Oh, let's see. I don't know what the guy's name is. Because I've been trying to get that doctor on for a while. Oh, uh, Dr. Jeff Bark. Okay. Maybe someone, maybe someone's seen that in this household. I don't know. I just know there's a California doctor out there. and, And is he a real doctor? I don't know. Does he play one on TV? I don't know. That's the other thing. But here's the funny thing, right? So you have your local doctors trying to tell us one thing. But we're not supposed to believe them because Fauci is the end all be all. I don't agree with that either. Like, nope. you have to have other opinions on Anthony Fauci. You know what we should do? Hmm. Start thinking for ourselves. Well, there's a concept, huh? Well, my dad kind of ripped into me last night, not because Whoa. he didn't think it was a good idea, but I had, but my super, you know, I'm still required to be home because of all lockdown and because I'm high risk or whatever. But ultimately, in the next few weeks, <laughs> what, I, what I'd love to do is simply jump on a subway, put my mask and glove on, protect myself, and go back to work. That's kind of what my hope is down the road here. So are you telling me that you can't you can't leave your residence right now due to unless government law? No, unless it's essential that I be in the office. I've just been asked to stay home because of my immune system. Okay, so. okay, okay. So you've been asked to stay home but are you hearing that as i gotta stay home because it's required by the government no and that's kind of where i'm grappling with this i'm just hearing that as my office wants me to stay home just because i they said it's better for me that i don't risk. well that's different that's your employer and so my dad i understand that well if they want you home then you shouldn't go into the city it'd be kind of like defying what they want you to do so i kind of agree with that actually um well, and, and I do believe it's important to, you know, for here's, here's a good one for you. So somebody the other day had said that it was unfair that people with, that are at higher risk have to stay inside. And they said, that's not fair. Why is that fair? Why? Oh, Michael. Do whatever. Well, my wife is highly susceptible to skin cancer. Right. That's not fair. Why should she have to stay inside and be protected from the sun? That that's not it. The reasoning is insane. It's like I can't believe people are. It's, I get, mm. all right. I know. Deep breath. Well, inhale. And there's only so much we could talk about this because all all it leads to is just we. It's tough for us to talk to our governments because they won't listen to us. So how? It's just, it's like a dead end kind of. What I'm excited about is to know if if in the summer, Lindsey Graham is is right to, is going to actually call up Comey and all these guys for what they've been doing the last four years with these investigations. That's another thing that's been on the front burner too. Oh, there's a lot going on. And, and actually I'm very, I'm very excited about what's going on because I think people are, people are getting, okay. So somebody yesterday made a comment uh, on a Facebook page and kind of ripped into somebody because um, they were ripped into. And this guy turns around and makes a big deal uh, out of her misuse. She misspelled the word. Okay. And this guy turns around and uh, uses her name, but doesn't capitalize it. So here's what I do. I jump into the fray and I said, wait a minute. I made my point. And instead of back and forth 
chatting with this guy, I finally said, how do I put this? And let's just get this taken care of. And I did. And we had a good conversation. But I did get the chance to say, I think you're a pompous, arrogant A. Wow. Good. Well, fight back for her. He's he's going to educate, as I would spell it, E-D-J. I I don't know how to spell (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's going to educate everybody because he knows everything. He can't because I do. So we're at a standstill. That's just to rip someone up like that is just so counterproductive. Anyway, uh, grammar police is a real thing though. They are really out there. It's really strange. And it's a great guy. I mean, we, we agreed about a lot of things, but he's also a King James only Bible person. So oh. you better make sure you use the one Paul used, because if you don't use the one Paul used, then anything else is hidden. Is that what it comes down to in certain Christian communities? Like what the Bible defines who you are, what what type you read? Miles McKee of the Gospel Truth Radio broadcast is also a King James only. And you got to be a little careful because the the latest NIV uh, is... Gotcha, Michael. I got gotcha, you. Okay. Yeah, your your video was freezing up. That's why I didn't know if we were still. We're here. You're here. Okay. Okay. So anyway, where was I going with this? Oh, oh, and then oh, um, no, I'm done. Why? What? What were you gonna say? I need to go smoke a joint, have a drink, and then finish my coffee and get ready to do my show. What were you gonna do? I'm curious now. Well, I forget. Um, well, you're talking about Miles and the Bible that he uses. and, and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I'm going to get a little crass here. Um, there, It got to the point on my podcast where people are telling me how, how to do my show. Uh-huh. And I finally said, why? Do, I tell you, what, why? Do... On the air, but I love that I talk off the air. That you and I have this rapport every day. It's it's great. And Ed, what did Ed say? He said, he's yeah, you're a great guy. And I love Ed and we can disagree and agree to disagree. And, and you know, he's one of my go-to people. If I get really, really bummed. I know he said that he it, opens up the phone line, you know, you, he, you call him up, you talk to him. It's like a great bond you guys have already. It, it is, you know, um, it, it it's yeah, close. Friendships are important. I have a, I'm going to be a guest on somebody's show today at noon and Oh, think i need to well never mind <clears throat> well before i let you go because i know you got to prep 9 a.m eastern with radio hope 9 a.m eastern go back there radio hope i'm gonna finish an interview i was doing with david allen arnold yesterday because you were going on at nine i cut it off before your show started so people could be and, directed over and, there and by the way <laughs> i just want to tell you that i appreciate that we're kind of tightening up things up a little bit because i'm i'm like you i get to go in and you know two hours later I mean, mm-hmm. we have a neat, there's a good chemistry here, but I also got to stay disciplined or else I will be frustrated at you. And then I'll go beat my wife and I'll kick the dog and hang the cap. I'd stay up. For legal reasons only that he's just kidding, folks. Don't go start <laughs> reporting. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm telling you, people would take that a, a different way if no disclaimer was attached to it. Whatever. That's their problem. I agree. They'll come after me, um, Michael. One other thing: what uplifts you? What, as we talked this morning, what is uh, what is uplifting you right now? Oh. What uplifts you? Oh, oh. oh. so last night mm-hmm. I got the table cleared off the pool table, yes. and and played some pool and listened to my new, which isn't that new. Uh, it's new to me. U um, two CD called uh, what's it called? It's called uh, oh, I can't tell you. That's not what it's called. I didn't um, know you like U2. That's awesome. They are a fun I band. love U2. In fact, I got one, two, three, four, four or five songs queued up here. And I'm listening to this music and I'm going, this is phenomenal. And one of the favorites is get out of your own way. I need to get out of my own way so he can do in me what only he can do. And I'll quit saying things that my wife looks at me and goes, do you really have to say those things? Mm. No, I don't. There's a part of me I don't care for because 
it, it's my mind filter and my mouth. If I could get the mouth filter to just. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of mask I need. Mm. But I don't want to live behind a mask. You just got to balance out a little bit. It's like, how do you stay real but not divulge your whole life on the air type of thing, I guess? I don't know. Well, not divulge my whole um, depravity. Mm. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. <laughs> do you miss, really um, quick, do you miss working? Do you miss driving the bus at 3 o'clock? I mean, how's that been adjusting to uh, it? A little, yeah, not as much as I did. I mean, I I still get to kind of sort of stay in. We went and met this this young lady's mom. And um, every time I see her at the ghost, hey, why are the pot dispensaries open? Well, wh- oh, oh, I totally forgot about that. That's happening. Why are they feeding cannabis and alcohol to people in, in the hotels in San Francisco it- and while locking the good people in? Why are they feeding the addictions? I don't get that. Okay, well, we'll have to take that up on another day. Because tomorrow morning. We'll do it tomorrow morning. How about that? Oh, come on. Okay. I'm so hey, excited. Radio Hope, 9 a.m. Eastern. Tomorrow, he'll be back with me as usual with his shenanigans and beautiful thoughts Every morning, at the same time. Every I morning. I love meeting with you. Yes. Honey, I've been seeing another man. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I love Bye. you too, brother. And uh, right. go on every podcast you can. You're not exclusive to here. So. Exactly. Or All right. Okay, bye. Talk to you soon. And yep. with that, I am actually going to do a little U2 to continue the day because I love this song, actually. By U2. David Allen Arnold coming up at after this. about Terry and Biden in a minute, but um, with regards to the bus stop, has that been shut down? Like, has Corona stopped that too, or has they still been have they still been continuing their their evil ways over there? Well, not none of the crimes uh, that I documented, including murder, have ever been investigated. Mm-hmm. So, as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, this is a uh, open wound. That will only heal. It's only going to heal when, uh, this, then when the truth comes out. Because me explaining my experience of living next door to the place and seeing victims run away from the school bus stop with gangsters pursuing them. Uh, I know that a lot of those people were meant to disappear. And we found one of them murdered behind the school bus stop. And that so, changed everything um, for you, right? That moment changed everything for you. It was, uh, it was exactly what I had warned people about for years, uh, including the corrupt politicians who allowed this level of criminality at a, mm-hmm. at a county school bus stop. Uh, I warned them for years, and I, I told them immediately, I said, this is going to get worse. You, know, you guys have the power of law enforcement to stop this. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I can't walk away because I know there's kids standing there six times a day. 
So I, uh-huh. I couldn't let it go, but I told them, I warned them. I said, this is going to get worse. And it did. So finding the body of one of their victims that they had murdered behind the school bus stop was the first time that people had something other than me complaining to look at it and go, Oh, there's a problem here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when, when people read my third book and find out how long after that murder, after we found the bottom, the body behind the school bus stop, to find out how long they let the gangsters remain at the school bus stop, uh, I think is unforgivable. And I believe that public outrage over this is going to lead to criminal prosecution for all of the crimes in my book. We can only pray so. Uh, right, David? We can only pray for that and make it happen. Uh, hey, I, I pray every day, and, and that's how I write the books. You know, I, I literally sat down and said, this, this gangster situation is something I don't have the power or the I'm not smart enough to fix, so I need help. And, and now you're turning to a bigger medium, which is great. Uh, David, you're, not, you're certainly not shy about your support for Trump. And I'm wondering, in this era of Hollywood, anti-Trump Hollywood, and, and that whole business, TV, radio, and movies how are you able to do it and still have a job like that's pretty remarkable if you ask me to say trump well it's kind of like the gangsters at the school bus stop you can either cower and never speak out against them uh because they might kill you or you can say you know what i'm not okay with this and i will say from the mountaintops that this must stop even though they're killing people and throwing them in the woods um I, I can decide, you know, I don't, I don't dis, discount the danger, but I just, I'm deciding how I want to live. And in the case of political things or the corona lockdown, uh, I find that uh, if you let people intimidate you and bully you into not speaking the truth, uh, it's a poison. And you're accepting that poison. And I simply stand in the daylight and I say no. In the case of the crime ring, you can't have an illegal business with with known wanted criminals at a gathering place for small children. I'm not going to accept that. And uh, in the case of the corona lockdown or in the case of who our president is uh, or what's happening in the world around us that affects us all, I'm always happy to stand out in the daylight and, and speak the truth. And what I find is it gives you a power. And you could say that I'm I'm someone in Hollywood, you know, who speaks my mind about politics and that I, I may never work in this town again. Or you could say by being the only one who stands up and mm-hmm. speaks the truth, uh, I have actually risen to a new level. Like mm-hmm. I have a power that none of them will ever have because they're all hiding the truth and the public knows it. Mm. Well, and when the public knows, it's pretty tough to say, no, that's not happening, right? So that, that's a good thing if the public's aware of this. You know, David... Uh, no, no Holly, Hollywood has problems now because they're having to, for the first time, mm-hmm. just like the Me Too movement, for the first time, the rich and powerful elites in Hollywood are being challenged by the common everyday people who no longer rely on them for the window to the world. You know, anyone with a smartphone, anyone with internet access can watch the videos of what happened, you know, in a police arrest or can uh, look at the farms today, which are throwing away produce, vegetables, milk, because they can't sell it because of the lockdown. People can watch that stuff and then compare it to the statements of their governor. They can make up their own money. They no longer rely on media and movies to tell them what's really going on. I did see pictures or video of a plant literally de-eliminating its milk because it was going to go bad. I was heartbroken about that. Yeah, me too. And and today uh, we can share that information because the news won't report it. The news media is covering up the truth about the coronavirus for political reasons. And people are no longer relying on media for that. So people can now watch with their own eyes what's happening in the farms around America that are not allowed uh, to sell their milk, to sell their uh, vegetables. And the crops are literally rotting in the fields. And to go, wait a second, is this lockdown really good for us? Because people need to eat. 
they do. And uh, I've just tried to say, stay calm through the reports of shortages, shortages, know that we're going to be on the right track. Stay calm. Don't go run the markets again for food. It, it, that would be terrible. That would be awful to see. So I pray people don't get hysterical about this. And it's probably our jobs, David, to keep them calm, right? Well, I, I think it's, it's all of our responsibility uh, to question everything. And uh, in the case of an unconstitutional lockdown, where government officials tell people, literally arrest people for going to church or for going to work, which the Constitution says they cannot do, uh, I think it's, it is uh, right for all of us to talk about it, to share information, and to say, wait a second, what's the right next thing? Is, is it really locking people out of the beach in Southern mm -hmm. California? Or is it maybe that our government needs to get out of our lives? Let mm. us decide if we want to go to work. Let us decide if we want to earn a paycheck to feed our families. And in the case of a farmer, let them decide whether to grow crops and send them to the market. David, you know, you're so much more than a cinematographer. And that's what I appreciate about you. And so I got to ask now, knowing all the thoughts you have, hearing them, that, uh, you know, in this episode, would you say that doing the cinematography and daily sketch isn't just a job, but it's an escape from, you know, looking at the reality of life, like doing your work and loving it is an escape for you? Well, my, my job as a helicopter cameraman is a very life and death adventure that I go on year in, year out. So, um, you know, my life is very completely lived. Uh, I, they say that some people, you know, live their whole lives in quiet desperation and die with the music in them. I can guarantee you, uh, I will sing every note before mm -hmm. I go. Uh, so whether I live another year or another, you know, 40 years, I can honestly say that I'm fully living. And I have no regrets. David, you know, I just got to ask you, cause one of the, I'm looking at your appearance with the, you know, Indiana Jones hat and the whole look, that was one of the first things that struck me when I met you at the summit. So would you say you're kind of inspired by Indiana Jones? I've got to ask that. No, actually, uh, I buy these hats at a, at a military surplus store, oh, wow. and I wear them to keep the sun off of my face. And it looks very, uh, uh, very adventurous, you know? Well, I used to only wear the hats outdoors. I, I literally just wear it to keep the sun off my head. And uh, I was at a convention in Dallas uh, of helicopter pilots, and my buddy was there. He drags me to the convention every year. And he was there, and, and he, he cornered me at the convention, and he said, Dave, if you don't have your hat on, I can't find you in this crowd. So and I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? That's a really good point. By, by wearing my hat wherever I go, not just out, outdoors, uh, I stand out. I look different. And so I have literally, just from social media alone, I have literally had people stop and jump out of their cars. <clears throat> and run over and talk to me. And, uh, and they know who I am, they know what I do. And I say, well, how did, you, how did you know I was here? And they'll say, well, we were driving our car and we, we saw you walking two streets over. And even from a distance, we could recognize your, your blue denim shirt and your brown hat. And, and so uh, <clears throat> it became, it's not really any connection to Indiana Jones, it just became an easy way for people to recognize me. And uh, so I, I make sure I, I take my hat now everywhere I go. Well, I was going to ask one thing that people that love your work may not know about you, but I feel like that story in itself is sort of an untold story, right? Or have you been sharing that story of the, the hat and the outfit before? Well, the hat and the outfit became important, and here's why. Um, once, uh, you know, this book, What Lies Above the Clouds, is a, a true story of organized crime and names are named. And what's interesting about this book is that everything in the book, including the, the victim who we found murdered, was filmed and photographed as it happened. Mm. So when we found the body, we were recording 4K video at the time. Mm. And uh, so there is a documentary series coming from this. While we were filming for the documentary about the school bus stop, um, it became important that I wear the same clothes and, and my hat every day so that whatever we film could be used anywhere in the documentary. 
Uh, for example, if they, if they took a clip of you and I talking uh, and I'm wearing a red shirt and a blue hat, uh, they can't necessarily use that in a scene that was shot a week later. And so this is a little trick. If, if you watch the captains on the deadliest catch, they're wearing the same shirt every day so that if it happens on day one or day 36, the producers can use the footage of that scene in the show with the other scenes. And so I, I had to do it too because of the documentary. And so that's why I started wearing the same clothes every day. Uh, and, and I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, I work on Survivor every summer and a guy from the crew came up to me and he said, Dave, we're having a, a you know, a film that we want to start the film festival with a shot of you. And he said, I, I want to show uh, in the film that you open your closet and uh, I want to make it look like it's all just full of blue shirts and, <laughs> and khaki pants and brown hats. And uh, I said, okay, come on over. So he came over to my place and, and, uh, we opened my closet and it was full of blue shirts and khaki pants and, and an, an extra hat. And he said, okay, roll camera. <laughs> hey, you know what? They do that for Jake from State Farm. He wears the same thing every commercial. So I wonder what his looks like, right? It, it, it's so funny because um, there are, forget documentaries. There are people in this world who wear the same clothes every day, just like I do. And they have their own reason for doing it. it. It's really funny. You know, sometimes people are super smart. Uh, geniuses have trouble picking out shirts. I don't know if you know that. Uh, they said Einstein couldn't, couldn't choose the soap at the grocery store because uh, he's just so thoughtful that, you know, the comparison of each type of soap, oh, yeah. you know, to him was so perplexing. Uh, that he had to let some, I think his wife would go and, and shop for him because he, he just couldn't handle those type of decisions. So, so there are people who wear the same clothes every day because they don't want to have to deal with that. It's, it's kind of a hilarious thing. So when people find out that I'm not just wearing this blue shirt today, I'm actually wearing this blue shirt every day of the week. Uh, some of them will say, oh yeah, my dad does that or uh or i do that and then it's it's funny to hear their reasons why they wear the same clothes every day like a uniform david this is uh this is some fascinating stuff and i've i've got to ask you then any funny stories where you didn't wear a shirt to maintain consistency that you had to change back into the denim uh no not really um being around reality television shows i learned that trick you know i i flew for ice road truckers for five years and and I knew that when we would hover the helicopter next to one of the trucks on the ice road, that the producer needed the truck driver to be in the same color shirt that he wears when he's driving other loads sure. and for that reason. And so I, I learned that trick uh, from watching reality TV show producers do the same thing. So I, I knew to do it and it was an easy thing to do. And uh, what's funny about my wardrobe, if you see me on Instagram or YouTube, uh, Everything I wear, except for this hat, comes from Walmart. <laughs> okay, now I got to ask you this one last question because I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, those who Zoom every day on different meetings and may not feel like getting dressed up today, I think you give us a good point tonight. You know, on this podcast, that yes, dressing the way you want to stand out is important, even if it's from home, right? I mean, people should just dress to stand out, no matter where they are. I highly recommend it. You know, when I talk to, you know, you and I talked about the author conference where they go to meet media. When I gather with authors, I always tell them that. I say, listen, if, if you can find uh, something unique that makes you stand out and use that as your trademark, your signature, uh, do it because there's a power in that. And, and what's interesting is, um, you know, if I hadn't met you before, and I had sent you an email. My email has a picture of me uh, with my signature wearing this hat and this shirt. And so if you and I went to meet, you know, at a busy mall sure. or, uh, or office building, you would be able to find me right away because just from reading my email, you know what to expect. And, 
And so, yeah, I, I definitely encourage people to find some unique signature, whether it's a hat or a particular color that they wear all the time or type of shoes. I really recommend to have some sort of a unique trademark that people can see. Uh, in my case, it works great because people can see this literally from a half mile away. They can recognize my profile and my hat and the colors that I always wear. Uh, and, and I really recommend it. It's, it's just a very powerful thing for, for people anywhere, whether it's in your industry, your office, your school, uh, for people to be able to recognize you. Uh, there's a real power in that. And, you know, I know my dad had, and mom had the best intentions for me to rollerblade. And it was more like a public, you know, more like a, uh, you know, a, a convenience thing and ability for me to just keep rolling around, even borrow one leg and move at a faster rate. But I think in a way they in, 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 in unintentionally found my unique signature with that. So that puts it into perspective for me. Thank you for, for pointing that out, actually. Oh, it, it really is. It, it's something about you that is so unique of who you are and what you do that when people see that, uh, it, it's just such a signature. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's people in Idaho uh, who will recognize you just because they've seen pictures and videos of you on your uh, rollerblade going through the city of New York. Well, I got to tell you a funny story now. Not too far from there in Montana, there, were, there was a couple that came to New York and in Grand Central Station told my dad and I they had seen me on uh, Kids Say the Darndest Things with Bill Cosby a, a year earlier. So, yes, that kind of does happen in New York. It's crazy. Yes, it's amazing how, how uh, easily someone from 2,000 miles away can connect to you because there's something that visually stands out that's very unique from all the other world of, of human beings. All right, David, hardest question of the night. Uh, what is one thing that people may not know about you that, that you don't post on social media? Because he posts a lot, but maybe there's one thing he hasn't shared yet that, would, that he's waiting to tell someone. Oh, uh, well, I don't, I don't really hide much. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, you mentioned Joe Biden. Uh, I think a lot of people walk around in public life worrying that they're going to get asked certain questions. And uh, for me, there's not too much I worry about. I, I really don't hide much. And, and what's interesting is for me is that anything is fair game. You know, a lot of times I'll do an interview like you and I are doing, and people will ask, well, can, can we talk about this or that? And I, I always say, all questions are fair game. Uh, I really don't hide anything. And if you read my books, uh, so much of my books are the mistakes that I have made. I'm very honest about those. I'm very honest about my shortcomings. And um, when I sat down to write the story of the school bus stop, I uh, was really guided and helped to, to know that I needed to include in the story, not just the terrible things that uh, I had witnessed, but also uh, the honest, uh, dumb mistakes that I had made <laughs> that mm. nobody else would make in their right mind. And to be honest and open and, and, and tell things that people, and that's what's in my books, is my books are full of stories that I could have taken to my grave, but I just decided that if I was going to tell the story of how I became the helicopter cameraman for Dudley's Catch, that I was going to be honest about it and say what worked and also say what I did wrong that was really dumb. Mm. Uh, and I think it's important for kids today to see the stories of things I messed up so right. that they can know, oh, okay, you know, Dave is no different than I am. Uh, and if he can overcome those mistakes and shortcomings and still be the cameraman of the deadliest catch or the World Series, that uh, I could do that too. I could rise to that too. Well, David, thank you so much for encouraging today and giving us a bit of a, a funner story to talk about than many that we're seeing on a television screen. So thank you for that. I love you, Alexander, and, and awesome. thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Anytime you need a guest, please let me know. I always enjoy our conversations. And I love, I love encouraging people to get involved with what you're doing because you've got quite an, an amazing content and, and story to tell. So thanks for telling it. Thank you so much. Until next time, I'm Alex Garrett. We'll talk to you soon. David, that was like right now because there's still a couple things to do which I did not 
intend on talking about, but let's do it while I have a couple minutes. First of all, pretty big news out of out of um, California, the city of San Luis Obispo, Luis Obispo County County Court. According to the paper down there, uh, the Tribune in San Luis Obispo, California, there's a court document from 1996 that shows former Senate staffer Tara Reed had told her ex-husband she was sexually harassed while working for Joe Biden in 1993. The declaration does not say that Biden committed the harassment, nor does it mention Reed's more allegations of sexual assault. Okay, but keep keep with me here. Reed's then-husband Theodore Dronin wrote the court declaration. Dronin at the time was contesting a restraining order Reed filed against him, so they had a messy divorce, blah, blah, blah. But in this document, he wrote that she was having a problem at work regarding sexual harassment in U.S. Senator Joe Biden's office. So is it possible that someone else did it? Because, <laughs> you know, they were quick to say, doesn't say you harassed them, it just doesn't happen in the office. Or do we pretty much think that quite possibly there was some activity going on in the Biden Senate office done by Joe Biden himself. After all, we've seen on camera a whole bunch of stuff. So this court filing is in. We'll have to see what happens. And um, how things progress within the Democratic Party as they head to convention. I mean, it's only a couple months away. The, I'll say it again. The party's still in disarray because now some don't want to back Biden. Some want to back him. It's very... And the majority say, well... Biden has set the record straight, but we should still believe all women. The messaging here is just so mixed. So mixed. But then I stumbled upon something very interesting, and I kind of want to bring the authors of this study up. Because the CDC, in 2013-14, had written an article. I kid you not. By the way, Unemployment now at 14.7% and 20.5 million jobs lost in April. And so if you need that support, get the support now. Get the help you need now. Because it's only going to get worse as the month goes on. But let me tell you of a study that I picked up on yesterday. Laboratory testing for Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus. California, USA. 2013 to 2014. Now, this is a bit of a different strain because this is MERS COVID. But they've been knowing about COVID for this long, you know, and this coronavirus was investigated in 54 travelers to the U.S. from affected areas. 62% of 52 travelers with the MERS COVID had other respiratory viruses. I'm going to research more and figure out what the difference between the SARS COVID and the MERS COVID is, but if they knew about some kind of coronavirus back then, there's really no excuse for not having been fully prepared for this. There's really no excuse. If they had known back in 2014 that this was happening, that coronavirus was a thing, there's really no excuse. And this one was discovered in Saudi Arabia in 2012. So the fact that this has been around a long time, nearly eight years, but now has been unleashed, you wonder what back deals were done so the corona could be tested in China. Maybe China wanted them in it, wanted it in its back pocket, could create different strands with it, and then this happened. Just maybe that's a possibility. That we cannot rule out. That if. You truly think about it. Quite possibly. This strain. Is connected to this. And not only that. 
it was bought out by China to have in their back pocket to study in the lab, and then, whoops, it gets released. Strange how that works. And I wonder how this got to China from Saudi I wonder how many deals were done, whose hands were greased, if you will, with money to get this to China, to get this strain of coronavirus, a strain of coronavirus to China. I, If this thing was originally in, in, in Saudi Arabia in 2012, I no longer believe China had this had acted alone. I now believe there's a backdoor deals that went on and then they developed it even more just to test it, but, you know, also have it in its back pocket. Because we all know China has wanted to get back at the U.S. We all know China hates the U.S. We all know China has, as much as President Trump says, you know, they've been doing great, they've been agreeing to the trade deals, and they're angry at us. They're angry at us. For years beyond the Trump administration. So it wouldn't surprise me if some, and I would hate to think America was involved with this, but how is it that from Saudi Arabia 2012 to 2019 in China, this thing gets discovered as a different strain? I feel like we have to follow the money here. I feel like scientists need to be checked up on. How did this go from Saudi Arabia in 2012 to China as a different strain on entirely? But I'm going to do a little research right now on the fly. Because I'm very curious now as I'm talking to you. Oh, and this is even more interesting. The research efforts for for COVID-19 at the NIH. This is Fauci's dealio, the NIH. Dr. Fauci's Delio, efforts built on earlier research on severe acute respiratory syndrome and MERS, which are also caused by coronavirus. MERS is a bi-respiratory disease that was first reported in Saudi Arabia and has spread to 27 countries. MERS corona developed severe acute respiratory illness, fever cold. January 2020, WHO confirms 2,519 MERS cases. The 80% of those cases have been in Saudi Arabia. Only two people in the United States have tested positive for MERS code. And SARS, SARS COVID, was first reported in Asia February 2003. Though cases... Subsequently, we're tracked in November 2002. SARS spread quickly in 26 countries. And since 2004, there have been no reported SARS cases. Hmm. The difference is... Huh. That SARS spreads from infected civets, while MERS cove. from infected uh, dromedary camels to people. So there is no doubt that they've been working on this virus and they knew about a certain kind of strain in 2012. And if you knew one strain of them, then what'd they do? Test to see if SARS had a coronavirus thing too? What'd they do? Sell something to China? So we can make some money here? I... I, Scientists can make money. So you know what? Let's test this other strain. So my question today, and I think being informative is uplifting, by the way, to wrap a bow on that. I think being informative is quite uplifting, to be very honest with you. Why? Because if we know more, We can truly see and believe that our own thoughts on this whole thing could be validated. 
I feel a bit validated. I feel like we are America. Why don't we have a vaccine yet? We are America. How do we not not continue testing for vaccines of the MERS coronavirus? Yes, only two people in the United States have it, but it's very strange that even the NIH, Dr. Fauci's Institute, has talked about MERS being, MERS COVID virus being uh, acknowledged. And they're in the same breath as SARS coronavirus. So I think we need to keep digging. I think we need to figure out how coronavirus went from Saudi Arabia to China, how that got all transported. And how strange became mutated and different and then, oops, released into the world, causing this chaos. And you know, they don't like truth seekers in this world. I know that. They don't like people getting down the... And as Mike Myers says, who is they? Well, they is, they is the pharma. They is those that make these vaccines, that make these drugs. They don't want us to know that this has been around a while because what would that do? It would totally laugh, make us laugh at the, you know, big pharma. It would make us upset at them. It would make us feel very uh, duped into believing that this was just a novel thing. Sure, the SARS it was, but apparently now I'm reading coronavirus is not novel. MERS coronavirus was first. So how did it become from MERS to SARS? How did that happen? Without anybody trying to stop it. Question that should be asked today. Because if we know it. If we see it. But we keep that knowledge to ourselves. We're really depriving the whole. Podcast world. The whole news world. The whole. <laughs> um, nation really actually. That. Something shady is going on here. Because how do you go from MERS to SARS, COVID, and how do they make these strains? And why do they make these strains? Why didn't they just leave it at one strain? Because I think there was some money involved. I hate to say that, but I think it's true. And follow the money is always one of the cliches, but it feels very true at this moment, knowing all of this. So Dr. Fauci, if you knew about MERS, and you knew that corona could be a, a strain of SARS. Why don't we have a vaccine today? Why don't we have anything today? Why this substantial lockdown? Why? 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 